So anyways, we're going to begin our worship this morning. Thank you for being here. I hope you had a nice breakfast. And uh, that, uh, that not having to rush out of the house was also restful for you. Uh, we're going to be looking at a couple of things before we begin this morning. Uh, just a few announcements before we start. Um, we're going to be uh, a, talking about... Uh, Many members have been asking, how do I give uh, to the church during this time uh, that we're not meeting together? And so I wanted to bring to your attention that um, we, we have some means for you to do so. Um, you have a people that you can send the checks to, Roxanne Snyder for Cadillac and Holly Wilson for Lake City. When you send those checks, don't just send a blank amount. Uh, in a separate piece of paper, if you could write the amount that you're giving for tithe, and also if you're giving other types of offerings, um, church budget, Sabbath schools, whatever, that you would just mention that. That way, don't know how to allocate the funds of your check. Um, if you if you choose to mail those to uh, to these people um, for privacy reasons, I'm not putting their mailing address on uh, Facebook Live. Uh, if you need those addresses, you can contact myself or the head elders of their respective churches. Um, and you can make those checks uh, available to them. We do have options as well for online giving, and I'm going to show you some easy steps uh, right now on the website uh, for the Cadillac Church. If you click on the online giving, uh, you'll be directed uh, to this page, and you see that it has the Cadillac uh, name on it. Uh, we're going to hopefully try to get Lake City set up with this as well. It might make it easier for some of us. And uh, you just fill out the form as you normally would a tight envelope. Um, you'll be seeing other items as you scroll down. Uh, once you finish entering an amount, you, at the lower right, you'll see a continue button. And you'll be led to this either login, register. If you've never, I've registered already. I have an account, so whenever I need to give something online, I do it this way. And um, you can also give as a guest. That way you don't have to register or do anything like that. If you would like to resume back to just giving your tithes and offerings at church, once we go back to normal, hopefully soon, you can do so as well. Also, want to bring to your attention that um, our sister Mandy notified us that um, we have created a community emergency fund at Cadillac um, in the Misaki and um, a Wexford County. There's been some uh, serious uh, situations, uh, repercussions from this coronavirus. And so there's been some uh, real urgent needs, um, baby formula, diapers, uh, mostly children-related needs by these families that are being put in dire straits uh, by medical bills or just not working as many uh, restaurants and other businesses have uh, closed uh, or cut back on staffing. So if you go back to the online giving, you'll see that uh, a line item has been created online. If you want to mail it in, just put community emergency funds and the amount that you would like to post. Um, as you see, we're trying to raise um, at least $1,000 to send. Um, more, of course, will be welcomed as the needs will continue to increase as we continue to relate to the situation as a community. So I just wanted to bring those things to your awareness that uh, we have these opportunities to shine for the Lord. So um, we're going to uh, have some time now uh, singing. And uh, I have, I'm going to try to do this as a, uh, get this out. There we go. And we're going to be focusing on praises to the Lord. We're going to be singing um, three songs. Day by day, let, let all things now living, living and give thanks. I love that praise song. And uh, I invite you to join in. My girls are uh, on the couch watching Daddy <laughs> maneuver all of these gizmos. Um, so if you can join in, most of these songs are well known. And so I invite you to join in and just sing as much as we can from your homes. The Lord will heal us, hear us uh, collectively as we praise his name this morning uh, with song service. Day by day and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here. Trust 
Yeah. 
every day my wife and I have gotten um, notifications of individuals that we know personally <clears throat> that are uh, being exposed to this. Uh, Kathy Myers texted me this morning as I was reviewing the sermon, asking prayers for her daughter and husband who have been both diagnosed, they have a child in their homes, so we're praying for uh, God's intervention in their lives. Though we may not have a vaccine, we do have the Lord. And that is something that we can uh, have uh, as a, a, uh, an assurance that we are not left alone. We do not have to depend exclusively on man to provide solutions for our situations. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so I want to spend some time praying. I want to invite you as well to pray um, in your context. If you want to join me, that's perfectly fine. If it's a family, <clears throat> excuse me, you want to come together and um, pray a different prayer for the things that you are aware of, you're welcome to do that as well. Father in heaven, thank you so much for an opportunity to connect as well. Uh, Father, this is not like prayer. Prayer is such a perfect connection. It's with us all the time. And there are no links that can break or inability to um, have interactions together. Father, I'm thankful for those that are able to join us, uh, but I pray in a special way, Lord, for those that can't because of lack of resources, lack of internet access, or whatever it may be. Father, I pray that as they are uh, maybe even alone in their houses, that your presence and your angels would accompany them in a very tangible way, that they can sense you coming near them, and sense that, Lord, your presence will sustain them and fill their hearts. Today is Sabbath, Father, it's a very special day for you. You set it aside for us to have fellowship with you and with one another. So, Father, I ask that your spirit will make it real, make it precious and beautiful, an experience that will fill our hearts, and, uh, Lord, that will allow us to sense that uh, we have been with you and with each other, even though we may not be physically with each other. You hurts us, Father, for this time that we cannot hug and embrace one another, encourage one another, and listen to each other's stories. Father, I, I feel so limited being the only one that can speak, but, Lord, I ask that your spirit would minister to us all. Father, I ask that as we engage your word, as we have been invited, Lord, to respond, uh, Father, there's been a, a, an opportunity for us as a church to shine in the Misaki and um, Wexford County with all these needs that are coming because of the situation in our country. And Father, the needs will likely increase, so give us wisdom, Father, and uh, a generous heart like we just sang. Father, let us uh, praise you because though we are weak, your son Jesus, we are made strong. And though we are spiritually bankrupt because of his righteousness, Father, we can be enriched, experience forgiveness and peace. And Father, a transformation of our lives that affects every part of us. Thank you, Father, that we have so many things to praise you. Focus our eyes on what you've done for us in Jesus, not what the news are telling us, but Lord, what your word is telling us. And I pray that this morning, uh, your word would speak to each of our hearts in a very personal, powerful way. Glorify yourself, Father, in spite of the shortcomings and imperfections of the means by which we are communicating, including me. Father, may you be lifted up, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen, Father. So we're going to be going through a, a journey of a um, new series that I started uh, putting together, um, modifying it a bit, and uh, I'm going to try to work with the <laughs> the tools that the Lord has provided for us um, as far as technology. So I'm sorry that if you see me looking down, um, I'm just trying to relate to these things. Uh, it's going to be, uh, the series is going to be called The Walk of Faith, and this morning's sermon is entitled Daily Steps. And I'm sure you guys have been to this structure. Um, if you haven't, uh, shame on you, you're not a full Michigander yet. Uh, you need to take a trip up north. Uh, my wife and I took this trip and it was exciting to see this bridge from afar and uh, you get to appreciate the, the, hey Tracy, happy Sabbath. Miriam, you as well. Um, so good to see you joining us. If you've been to the Mackinac Bridge, um, it's breathtaking uh, because of uh, the, the size of it. Um, it's quite long and it's held by two main columns. In, the, the whole structure is, is sustained by this. And as I drove past that bridge, um, I began to think about uh, separation. The reason we have this bridge is because these two um, lands, masses of land have been separated by a gulf of water. 
And we could not reach it were it not for this bridge. And so this bridge, and all the other bridges that we have across the world, connect. They're designed to reconnect that which has been separated. And I want us to think about the reality that in our world, we, we have a separation that has been brought about by sin. The separation that sin has brought is real. And what I want us to look at is the two um, suspension uh, paralysis that hold the Bible together. The Word of God is uh, a historical prophetic book that highlights a bridge. We used to have in Genesis 1 and 2 communion with the Lord and perfect communion between humanity. That has been lost. And through sin, that has been bridged. And we don't see that being removed to Revelation chapters 21 and 22. So these uh, two columns that support the Mackinac Bridge are uh, like a parable, uh, uh, an illustration of what holds up this bridge that reconnects humanity with God and humanity with each other. And we see what it was like prior to sin. And it causes us a desire to cross this bridge from Genesis chapter 3 and onward when the chasm of sin, that sin brought between us and, and God, uh, was placed, was experienced. Uh, and the chasm that immediately took place between humanity, the, the married couple immediately began to bicker, blame and shame each other, and of course blame God. Those were all the outcomes of sin. So now we have this chasm, and the only way to reconnect is through this bridge. And we're going to be exploring that through this series. Uh, sin with it has brought death. And so we have a, a pretty graphic uh, right now present situation with all the things that are happening in the news uh, with the, the coronavirus. The fear of it is not that you're going to get some phlegm and some cough. The fear of it is that you will get, you could die from it. There have been uh, several individuals who have, a, I'm sorry, uh, experienced this in their own lives. And how you bridge that is by faith. Faith becomes this um, uniting aspect that God has given every, hum every human being that the capacity to exercise their faith and through faith to experience life again. Sin had brought the curse of separation and death to the human experience. Sin separated humanity from God and all that he had designed for our eternal happiness. There is something to be said about God's plan. It was not the suffering that we have today. So, if, through the gift and sacrifice of His Son, God made a promise to humanity, the promise of reconciliation and life. This promise has not yet been fully realized. Thus, we have each other separated. I mean, right now, this means of social media is kind of like a bridge that is allowing us to connect with one another but we feel keenly the separation, especially now that we should be at church together. I feel the separation. I wish I was in your, with my brothers and sisters in church, being able to embrace one another and being able to look at each other in the face, not via a phone or a tablet or a camera. We are separated right now. This virus has separated and fragmented our society. And in some ways, maybe God in His providence can use the separation to highlight the fact that now that we wish we could be together, we can't. But all these months and years that we have been allowing these things to come between each other, whereas this was what we saw, and now we are using this means to see each other's face. We don't know what we have until we lose it. And maybe because we are born into a world that experiences continual separation because of sin, because of the effects that it's had on the human heart, we don't have a reference point as to what it used to be like. That's why Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelations 21 and 22 are so crucial. They let us know that we are in fact separated from God. We, are, we can't see Him. This is the means by which God communicates to us um, the Bible, which I don't know where it's at. <laughs> um, but the Bible is the means by which God speaks to us in the same way that we can connect via the phones. But you won't know that separation exists, it exists there until you see Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelation 21 and 22, the way things are supposed to be. The way things are right now in our nation, the way things are right now in our churches, is not how God designed it. He wanted us gathered together. He wanted us to be in one accord. So we have this uh, reality of what we need to be, but what we don't have.
So we have now a, I'm going to put this here, I think it's a little easier for me to do it this way. The Bible speaks about the second coming even as far back as the time of the book of Genesis. But we will not find this reference in the book of Genesis. People don't know that the second coming of Christ is not a New Testament phenomenon, but actually it was already being preached way back in the book of Genesis. People don't know that because you will find that references in the book of Genesis. You will find it in the book of Jude. And this is what the, the book of Jude says. It's only one chapter, so it's just Jude verse 14. It says, Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men, also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousand of his holy ones to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are, and this is a key word that we're we'll, going to be studying this morning, ungodly, among them, uh, who are ungodly among them, of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now, this is Jude uh, recollecting and recounting for us Enoch's sermon. And it consisted of the second coming of Jesus, in which he's going to hold people accountable for one thing and one thing only, their ungodly ways. Now, you and I may not really know what ungodly means. We know it's bad, but what, what makes it bad? Uh, I love English, and once I went to um, nursery school and later on the seminary, as I was learning Greek and Hebrew, I actually got really good at English. <laughs> I began to really understand what a prefix, a prefix and a suffix are. And with ungodly, there's three parts to it. There's a prefix, which is the un part, which means not. Like when you say someone is unkind, you're saying they're not kind. When something is, someone is unloving or unthankful, you're saying they're not being thankful, they're not being loving. And the suffix, the last part, the L-Y, is like. Like when you say someone is womanly or manly, that's a manly thing to do. That's what a man does. That is what a man likes to do. Um, yes, when we say someone is friendly, hopefully all of us qualify for that, right? We act in a friendly way. And same with saintly. So when we say ungodly, is being not like God. And this is, this is an important point of Enoch's sermon. Enoch is holding people accountable because they're not behaving like God is. And why aren't they behaving like God is? In the series, we'll explore those reasons. But when we get to the part of Romans chapter 1, we'll see that humanity exchanged the truth about God for the lie about God. And because humanity, through sin, is steeped, saturated in our minds with lies about God, of course we can't be like Him. We become what we worship. And because we're worshiping all these false things, we are not being like God. Um, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. You know, the Bible is a very intimate book, and God is a very intimate and relational God. And sometimes the, the, the words that are used escape us because we don't see the weight behind them. When God, when the Bible says that God, the Lord God, was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, because of the, the rest of that use, and we will see that in the sermon today, when the Bible mentioned walking, it meant friendship, fellowship, agreement, oneness, a, a love, a love relationship. A, when God is being mentioned here as walking, the, the, the implied imagery is that he is walking alone. God did not walk alone in the garden prior to this experience. When God would come into the garden, he walked in that garden with Adam and Eve. But now sin has come into the picture, and God is no longer walking with Adam and Eve. God is now walking alone. And he's looking because he wants that walk to be restored. So the idea of walking with God, you'll see throughout all of the scriptures, all the way through the New Testament, is a very intimate expression, it's a very uh, um, word that implies a connection. And now this connection is broken. God is walking, but not with human beings. Human beings are hiding from the presence of the Lord. Now it's become significant because even after sin entered, God created a bridge. God created a bridge that would connect that which was sin had separated. In Genesis 5, 21 and 22 through 24, 5, 21 through 24, we read the following. Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch 
Greetings. Walked with God 300 years and sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now this is extremely important, because it's not simply that Enoch walked with God in a sense that it was a, a visible walk. Enoch could not see God. His walk was a walk of faith. Faith is that which allows me and God to once again be reunited. Faith is that bridge that brings unity once again between me and God. So Enoch walking with God echoes what Genesis chapter 3 says, that God was walking, but walking alone. Humanity was no longer in oneness with him. They had been affected by sin, but God, through the gift of faith, and of course grace, through his son Jesus Christ, bridged this gap so that now humanity, by faith, could connect and walk with God, something that had not been able to be done before. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 through 6, we see uh, Paul highlighting this. By faith Enoch was taken so that he did not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony, that he pleased God, but without, there it is, faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This is all language that speaks of a very personable relationship um, purpose. When, when Paul speaks about Enoch, he doesn't mention the walk, he mentions his faith. So when you join the two together, when you join the narrative of Genesis chapter 5 with the narrative of Hebrews 11, you see that what it mentions that Enoch walked with God, Paul says that uh, Enoch did it by faith. By faith, Enoch walked with God, and this pleased God. He was able to please God because of this union. Now, the, the sanctification, the transformation of Enoch didn't happen because Enoch was trying really hard. What Enoch was seeking to do was walking with God consistently, walking with God more regularly. He was not a superhuman, he, he, and you see the trajectory of humanity. Sin affected humanity so fast that the first two sons, the oldest son of Adam and Eve, became a murderer right away. So the corruption of sin did not need decades or centuries to make itself manifest. It manifested itself right away. So And it was in him. Enoch was also a sinner. And what faith did for him is that by faith he reached out. He chose to put his faith in this God that he had heard of from his father and grandparents all the way back to Adam. Seven generations back. Um, he chose by faith to believe in this God. Believe that this God had not abandoned humanity to their plight. And in fact that he had provided a way out. And in his walk, in Noah, Enoch, sorry, began to experience that experience that in the Bible is described as walking with God, taking steps with Him. One last point that I want to bring out from this passage is that when we use faith, look what Paul says, He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Faith is not for us to claim rewards. Faith is to connect us with a person. If I come to the Lord seeking for a job by faith, seeking for more money, seeking even for health, it's not that those things are bad. But using my faith to come to God to seek for those things will frustrate my faith because God is a rewarder of those that seek Him. Faith must be used primarily for the purpose of you walking with God. Everything stems from that. By faith, Enoch, I'm going to put that so that you can read it as well with me, by faith, Enoch pleased God because by faith, he walked with God. That is what God wanted, and by faith, Enoch agreed to it. By faith, he was able to have more and more intimate communion with God. This faith walk with God became for Enoch the substance of what he hoped for, the conviction of what he had not seen. By faith, Enoch crossed the bridge into the full, literal reality of what God had promised humanity. 
So this faith walk was a, it did not involve just the weekends. It was every part of Enoch's life. Enoch's walk with God was not in a trance or vision, but in all the duties of his daily life. He did not become a hermit, shutting himself entirely from the world, for he had a work to do for, for God in the world, in the family, and in his interactions with man as a husband, and a father, a friend, a citizen. He was the steadfast, unwavering servant of the Lord. So the walk that Enoch had was not as a hermit in some mountain or a cave. He went to work. He went to farm. He went to sell his produce in the market. He interacted with people. But he did not interact with people unless he had first spent time connecting with God and allowing God. Though God was not visible to Enoch, by faith Enoch could recognize God is with me right now. His spirit is in my heart. His spirit is in my mind. And I want to not have this connection broken. So I'll bring God into my life, into my marriage, into my parenting, into my friendships, into me as a citizen, which right now we are, you know, realizing we need to be good citizens, compassionate citizens to our communities, to be steadfast and wavering. May the Lord, as we choose this walk of faith with the Lord, may our communities be affected by that walk in powerful ways, and may they recognize that we are servants of the Lord because of our sacrificial efforts in trying to alleviate those that are hurting. His heart was in harmony with God's will, because who can walk together except they be agreed? And this holy walk, listen to the repetition of that word walk, holy walk was continued for 300 years. It's a powerful statement. It says, there are many Christians who would be far more earnest and devoted if they knew they had but a short time to live or that the coming of Christ was about to take place. But Enoch's faith grew stronger. His love became more ardent with the lapse of centuries. The last sermon we had at Cadillac Live, I mentioned this. The idea that um, the older I become a Christian, the more I become a Seventh-day Adventist, you know, as a Christian Seventh-day Adventist, and the older I get, well, you know, my years can start to slow down, and I've been at it for a while, and, and I confronted us with that statement, right? Your grandparents, your parents, or that elderly person, that elderly saint that would tell you always, Jesus is coming soon, Jesus is coming soon, get ready, Jesus is coming soon, and they're not dead. And that experience, seeing older people ardently believing that Jesus is coming soon, pass away, people that would tell you, I mean, I, I didn't share this with you, but when I was dedicated as a baby in Argentina, the pastor that dedicated me, my parents told me this later, I, I, I did not know this, but... Um, when he dedicated me, he looked at my parents' eyes and said, with the way this world is at right now, this is in the, in the 70s, the early 70s, with the things, the way that the world is right now, um, Ariel, Ariel, won't be 15 years old before Jesus comes. And when my parents told me that as a child, it excited me. Wow, Jesus will come before I'm 15. Yay, praise the Lord, I get to you know, swim with dolphins and have a lion pet and all these things. I really was thinking that would make heaven amazing. But when I hit my teenage years, now the second coming of Jesus was more of an obtrusion than a hope fulfilled. I began to realize that um, I wasn't walking with God. You know, walking with God brings a lot of beautiful imagery with it. Um, you could be walking, but where are you going and who are you walking with? To walk with God means that God is crossing this bridge of time to bring humanity back into union with Him. That is God's strongest yearning in His heart. The, the same yearning that we have right now because of the separation that we have because of the health situation, it's minuscule compared to the yearning God has to be with you personally. The book of Revelation says that so emphatically when it says that, and they shall see His face. That is something that should provoke longing and desire and passion and conviction in us because it is in God's heart. He longs for us to hold and palpably see all the realities He has promised us. And this can wear off. This can be lost, but it doesn't need to. By faith, this journey of walking with God does not need to fade and turn into staleness or monotony or cliches. 
Enoch, I love this last sentence. By faith, but, but Enoch's faith grew stronger. His love became more ardent with the lapse of centuries. So you don't need to carry this idea that somehow you will, um, it's normal to lose your fire. Oh yeah, now that you're a young believer, you're in your first love, but just wait a couple of years. We need to repent of that attitude, but we may not outwardly speak it, we certainly live it. Enoch stands for us as a constant reminder of what a human being can be in a corrupt world affected and hurting by sin. This walk with God by faith is crucial. After the birth of his firstborn son, Enoch reached a higher experience. He was drawn into a closer, listen to the superlatives, higher, closer relationship with God. He realized more fully his own obligations and responsibility as a son of God. And he saw the child's love for his father. And as he saw the child's love for his father, his simple trust in Enoch's protection, as the father felt the deep yearning tenderness of his own heart for that firstborn son, he learned a precious lesson of the wonderful love of God to men in the gift of his son and the confidence with which the children of God may rest in their heavenly father. Two things that Enoch picked up from this experience of having a child, and one is monumental for you and I to sustain. He recognized how dependent this little creature was on him. If he didn't change the diapers, if he didn't burp him, if he didn't clothe him, if he didn't feed him, if he just left this child be so he was alive with all his physiology working properly, if he was just to abandon that child, that child would perish. That baby was so helpless. That baby needed the father for everything in that life. And he began to be convicted. I need God the same way. It's not that I can say, okay, God, I know how to do computers. I know how to do surgeries. I know how to do uh, construction. I know how to do these that, or that. Uh, you may be skilled, but do you feel that you need God to help you with the things that you cannot see? I'm pretty familiar with technology, but there are things that happen even now that are simple as, you know, I have the volume down on the television, and I'm praying as I'm doing this, Father, help me. Father, help me so that this does not distract from people connecting with you. You may become as expert on earthly things, but earthly things without interve divine intervention become powerless, pointless, and meaningless. And would you not want your job to be blessed by the Lord so that the Lord can make, can make your mundane, menial, day-to-day -day occupations meaningful and powerful for eternity? Would you not want God's blessings on every part of your life, as we read, read earlier, as a husband, a father, a friend, a co-worker? I would want God as a nurse. I, I consecrated myself. The, the year I graduated from nursing, I went back to my room and I knelt next to my bed. And that degree that I got, I placed it and I said, Lord, this is yours. I don't want to be just a nurse that sees myself as pushing drugs and injecting and hanging IVs. I want to make a difference for your kingdom as a nurse. That is, is some of the effects of a human being choosing to walk with God. We began to recognize it's not just about this planet. It's not just about this earth. I can be a carpenter and I can be a doctor and I can be whatever, an accountant, a politician. And I need this close communion with the Lord that I can make a difference for the kingdom. And that close communion hinges upon you every morning waking up with the realization as a baby needs his father and mother, I need God. I may be able to clothe myself, feed myself, and make myself breakfast, but for everything in life, I need God. I need God to know how to be, I mean, life gets more complicated. I sometimes look at my girls and I'm like, man, I wish I could take a nap. Man, I wish I could. that's all I had to worry about, learning the multiplication tables. My girls will soon discover that growing up brings with it a lot more complexities, some of which do keep you up at night. Some of the decisions that you and I have to make, we are not sure. Some of the things that, <clears throat> I heard with this from uh, my brother Corey <clears throat> in the Village Church in Bering Springs, excuse me, <clears throat> he mentioned this to me. Gianna uh, had just been born, and I was sharing with the church my angst as a new dad that hearing my little girl cry, she wasn't able to talk yet, not knowing whether it was a gas bubble or an itch or fever or whatever. And you're guessing, they're trying to figure out what it is. 
you wish you knew what it was that your girl needed so that you could provide it. And Corey said, you know, Ariel, there's another worse situation or feeling as a dad that you have, and that is when you do know what your daughter needs, but she doesn't want it. And those words just impacted me. They're still in my mind. And I'm praying for God for wisdom, Lord. I thought being a dad of a you know, baby is challenging because you don't know if they have a fever or gas. But as life progresses, the complexity will quickly go beyond our mental, intellectual capacities. You need God in your life. Do you know that? Do you believe that? Did you wake up this morning sensing, sensing your immense need of a heavenly father as a baby senses their need of an earthly father? That became an anchor point in Enoch's walk with God. The infinite, unfathomable love through Christ became the subject of his meditations day and night. And with all the fervor of his soul, he sought to reveal that love to the people among whom he dwelt. The, the heart of the mission, just so we finish this series on the book of Jonah, the heart of the mission uh, doesn't hinge on the, necessarily on the peripheral aspects of it. You know, anyways, we're not going to spend time with that. It, it hinges upon you being able to speak of God's unfathomable love as a personal experience. It begins there. It cannot go elsewhere. It cannot begin with nothing less than that. You being able to realize glimpses of that love, and you don't have to be a father. You can be single. You have a father and a mother. You can contemplate and try to ask the Spirit, help me grasp what it feels like, what, it's, what God must be sensing, because these are images, these are reflections of who God is, the love of a father for a child, and there's reciprocal love and appreciation of a child to the father. All of these things help us understand God's heart. God um, will come, and he will hold accountable those that behave ungodly, those that are not like him, those that are not tender-hearted, compassionate, Attentive, protecting, providing for the needs of other human beings. <clears throat> Excuse me. Enoch did those things. He didn't just preach evangelistic sermons. He demonstrated the unfathomable love of God um, just as powerfully by acts of kindness and compassion to those around him. He didn't just preach. A sermon carries a lot of power, but that power needs to be accompanied by behaviors and actions, things that are visible and tangible. By faith, if we combine Hebrews 11, 5, 11, 5 through 6, and Genesis 5, 21 through 24, we see this. By faith, Enoch walked with God 300 years, and Enoch walked with God, with God, and he was not, for God took him. This walk with God, um, how long have you been at it? 10 years? 5 years? Are you a new converted Christian, newly baptized Christian? Have you been at it for 40, 50 years? How is it? How are you relating to the present separation between us and God? When you wake up in the morning, what are some of the things that begin to surface almost immediately in your mind? Are there thoughts directed towards God? Are there silent prayers that raise up from your heart saying, Lord, thank you for another day of life and I need you. I need you. Because just as you are ready and eager to encounter me today, the enemy already has a plethora of things for me to worry about, be anxious about, and lose sight of you. We have a situation that is unprecedented for many of us. Being quarantined, having to be isolated, having to have gone shopping for things that are completely run out, worrying about our parents, worrying about our own health, worrying about our family members who have compromised health. Though it is not wrong to worry about those things, it hurts us and it damages us that in trying to provide for those things, we disconnect, we separate. You may be walking, but not walking with God. You know, I, I like to think of this walk as something that needs to be thought of um, long term. When I was very little, my mom told me this saying, uh, Chinese proverb that said, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. Each day is like a step in this walk with God, an opportunity to choose connectedness with our Creator, a new opportunity to begin again what we have failed yesterday, 
by learning to depend more fully on God and less on me or whatever else I'm recognizing I'm putting my trust in. You know, we're going to be singing a hymn in just a little bit. Uh, my hope is built on nothing and less. When I was at Oakwood, a sermon similar to this I preached. And at that time, we would try to coordinate all the things for the liturgy, the hymns, prayers, and etc. via text and uh, email. And at that time, uh, my good friend Kiran Koya uh, sent me, I don't know if it was by text or by computer, and I think it was by computer because when he typed uh, hymn number 522, my hope is built on nothing less, instead of hitting the pound key, which of course is understood to be number 522, the key right next to it is the dollar sign. So he typed it really fast, and instead of hitting the pound, he hit the dollar sign. So when I read it, he read, $522, my hope is built on nothing less. So he made me chuckle, and then he made me think how true that false statement is. That on 500, 5,000, the government assistance, or whatever it may be, that sometimes my hope is built on nothing less than this frail world that passes away, money that is here today and gone tomorrow. We don't know how the economy is going to react to all these situations. And because you don't know and I do not know, we can choose to focus on that, the unknowns, and lose sleep, and be anxious, and become grumpy and angry, and become ungodly. Or, like Enoch, we can look at our children, our little ones, and see in their innocence and playfulness and joy, it's not in a vacuum. It's because they, they have a belief, they have a conviction that we as a father will figure things out so that their needs can be met. And we are limited. You have a, a father in heaven with unlimited power, unlimited resources, and boundless love for you. Shouldn't that produce peace instead of fear? Shouldn't that strengthen trust instead of cause anxiety? Enoch walked with God, and that walk affected how he related to life around him. And for us as Christians, as people, we are invited to depend more on him and less on the things that right now I may have my hope in. I hope that I can sell my house, or we're in the process of buying a home. And all of these turmoils can certainly cause us to say, what do we do? What are we going to do? How are we going to react to this? I'm going to react to this by what Jesus tells us. In the prayer, he taught us to pray to our Father. When Jesus says, um, when he continues teaching us, even though after he finishes with our Father, which art in heaven, that chapter concludes with, Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first to walk with your heavenly Father. Seek first to stay connected by faith. Seek to remove this chasm, this separation that sin has brought and walk with God. Enoch did it for 300 years. Certainly, we can walk with God today. Why not spend some time today reading a powerful little book um, called Steps to Christ and learning to translate that experience of walking to Christ to walking with Christ. Um, there are beautiful chapters there, chapters entitled uh, uh, Repentance, Confession, Consecration, um, What to Do with Doubts, one of my favorite chapters, uh, The Privilege of Prayer, Connecting Element of Praying by Faith, um, Growing Up in Christ, another one. I, I, actually, all the chapters are my favorite. Um, but you know, <clears throat> if Enoch had that book, he would not skip the first two chapters. You know what the first two chapters of that book, Steps to Christ, are? God's love for men and the sinner's need of Christ. That's what sustained Enoch. As he beheld his child, he recognized, I need God. And if I, being evil, can love my child, how much more will my Heavenly Father love me? Do you believe your Heavenly Father loves you more than you love your children? That is an amazing journey of faith. So I invite you to take out that little book and spend some time. Go for a walk. Go for a, some of us may need to go for a walk alone and talk to God out loud in nature like Jesus did with his Father. Um, 
he would go often into the mountains to spend time alone with his father because he sensed his need of his presence. We're going to conclude with that hymn that I mentioned earlier. Um, my hope is built on nothing less. And if I can find it, <laughs> um, let me close out of this. And I'm going to unplug my mic. I don't want to hurt your ears. Uh, it's what beautiful hymn about trust in the Lord alone. Each of us. 
Father, many of us do not see much lovable things inside of us. And Satan can point to those to discourage that we are loved the way your word says we are. I pray, Father, that as Enoch had to surrender his pride and had to surrender his unbelief and by faith choose to accept that he had a Father in heaven that had an undying, unfathomable love for him, help and strengthen our faith that we can, with a mustard seed faith, believe the enormous love you have for each of us personally. Let us not look at the difficulties, the infirmities, and the things, Father, that are affecting, that may be wearing out the faith, weakening the faith of some of us. Father, I ask that your living word would have encouraged us to believe, to believe that you have given us your son, Jesus, because of this everlasting, eternal, undying, unchangeable love you have for each of us. Revive our walk with you, Lord. Forgive our irregularity. Forgive how easily we give up. Once again today, Lord, we choose, we choose to seek for you, to seek for you diligently. Lord, we want that walk, that intimacy that Enoch had. Father, I ask that the invitation that I've given to my brothers and sisters will be taken up. That they will spend time reading and meditating on that, that book, that beautiful book, Lord, Steps to Christ. So that through that book and your holy word, Father, we can experience that intimate daily walk like Enoch had with you for 300 years. Father, we pray for not around much longer. We pray for your soon coming. But until then, Lord, today we choose to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen, Lord. Um, I want to close with a hymn that is very well known and loved by us. And uh, I want to sing it along. You may as well. Um, oops, sorry. Here it is. I hope that it will bless you as we spend the rest of the Sabbath <clears throat> communion with the Lord and with our families.
see you tonight. Is that 11 at 6 o'clock for the adult status school class. God bless church.